M&K Talk YA now presents Caraval Part 1 from the Caraval Trilogy by Stephanie Garber. Welcome back to MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we started a new series. It is called Caraval, and it is by Stephanie Garber. And we started the first book, which is also called Caraval, and read up to day four of Caraval. So if yes. you're following along, that's where you should read to. Yes, it's part, and it's part of a trilogy. So there'll be two other books besides this one. And I think this whole series is just called Caraval. I don't think there's like another name for the series. Sometimes that happens and that's confusing. Yeah. Yep, it's just called Caraval. Cool, yes. And as Katie said, we read up to day four. And uh, this is Stephanie Garber's first published book as well. So we're reading another kind of like first time published author series stuff. New author. Um, Did you read anything about her like journey to becoming a published writer I read a little bit but if you have a good story you should tell it I was just kind of amazed at how many books she wrote it was kind of like a Pierce Brown story where she wrote five books and you know sent out query letters tried to find an agent tried to find a publisher and nothing was you know she, she wasn't having any luck um and so Caraval is her sixth book that she wrote. And I think that's just amazing because even just writing one book just sounds so daunting. And to like have five books you submitted be rejected over and over and over, but not like to not give up. I just find that so, so admirable and so amazing. I did. I read one thing, too, that said her plan and she doesn't know if she would actually have gone through with it, but she was going to have to like make some changes about. If she, how dedicated she was to writing if this book didn't get an agent, at least, or whatever. Um, but it also sounds like her family was super supportive. Like, she moved back in with her parents mm-hmm. at one point, and even though, like, literary agents weren't reading any of her stuff, her dad, I guess, was like, maybe you just need to write another book. And they, like, super supported her in this dream that she had, which is great. That's awesome. And I mean, like, also, I find, I feel like that was probably really humbling and hard to like have to move in with your parents and especially like when you probably see your peers doing other things and maybe having success in their careers and feeling like you're either falling behind or like not doing what you're supposed to do. I love that she stuck with it and was like, no, this is my dream. I want to make it happen. And she didn't give up. And I mean, what a great story, you know? Yeah, she actually talked about that. She said um, when she first... Like, she was super excited. She felt really blessed that she was in a position where she could move back in with her parents and keep pursuing her dream. And then she said at some point the euphoria wore off and she did struggle kind of with that emotional part of the decision and seeing herself as a failure or comparing herself to other people and all of that. But Mm -hmm. um, in the end, she's super grateful to them and, you know, ended up where she wanted to be. So that's great. And we're super grateful that she wrote this book Yeah. because it's pretty awesome. I'm loving it so far. So I actually, I saw, I already saw, it must be this one website asks authors this, but I saw six words to describe the series or the book or something. Ooh, okay. But should I not tell you and we should come up with our own? Yeah, I guess so. Because we said we were going to start doing that at the end of the series. Okay. We'll wait until the end. I know. I just have a bad feeling I'm going to see it all the time Mm -hmm. now, but yeah. (laughs) I hope magical is one of the words because there's certainly a lot of that going on. It was. It was the first word. Oh, okay. We're on the right track then. Um, (laughs) I read that also that she wanted to have this this world, this especially the world of Caraval when they get to the game. She wanted it to feel like a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yep. I love that, and I can totally see it. Like I'm just imagining Moulin Rouge and like Romeo and Juliet and like all those weird like fast paced scenes and like the cool costumes. And I was like, yeah, I can totally, I totally get that vibe from this book. Yeah, no, that was a, I read that too. That was a good description. She achieved her goal or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, okay, so let's delve into Caraval. We got some some characters. We got two sisters. Scarlet and Donatella. Yep. Scarlet's the older one. And while they're really close, they did not come from a great family situation. No, not at all. Her father is pretty terrible and very controlling. Um, and he, they live on an island and he never wants his daughters to leave. That's like his thing. And the one time they try to escape the island, he does not react well, let's just say. He kills the boy who helps them and... By drowning, which we know is not a good way to go. Yeah. Jeez, oh man. And whenever one sister misbehaves, he punishes the other. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you have the same moment where, like, in the opening scene, he catches Donatella, or he catches the girls with this strange boy, this strange sailor named Julian, and he asks what happens. And at first, I was like, why are the sisters throwing each other under the bus? Like... They were like blame each other. Scarlet was like, no, it was it was uh, it was Tella, and Tella was like, no, it was Scarlet. And I was like, why are they doing this? And then I realized it was because the father is punishing the other girl when one misbehaves. Yeah. So they were actually protecting each other. When Tella said it at first, I thought she was just being like, because they kind of define her character as like she doesn't care about consequences and she's kind of, you know, like True. wants to have a good time and stuff. Especially at the beginning, we didn't know enough about her. So I definitely thought that's what she was doing. But as soon as Scarlet was trying to set the story straight because we I felt like we already knew she was so protective of her sister I was like something is up here but mm-hmm. yeah and Julian doesn't know obviously so he lies because he thinks he's protecting Donatella but then yeah she's the one who gets slapped yeah but we also heard a little bit so we know their mother just like vanished seems to have run away but yeah. also didn't take anything with her and that their dad seemed to get worse at that point so I'm kind of curious if we're going to get more Mm -hmm. of the backstory and maybe understand him as a character because right now there's nothing really redeeming about an abusive father Um, and not that I think it'll be redeeming but I'm kind of curious how he ended up this way and the role of his mom. Yeah I was wondering if that's why he's so upset about the girls leaving the island. Yeah it just it seems like a weird way to like I don't really get his motivation he wants to marry her off. That made sense from like a, if he cares about power and stuff like that, maybe if she marries well, mm-hmm. it kind of sounded like he'd get more respect in the greater community or something because this island is a recently conquered island or something. I don't know, whatever. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it did kind of seem weird that he like wanted them there, but he doesn't seem to love them very much, sort of. And yeah, I don't know. There's more to that story. So I hope we see it, even though we're very far away right now. <laughs> I know, because it opens, I love how the book opens with these letters that Scarlet's been writing to this man named Legend, and he is like the game master of this contest called Caraval, Mm -hmm. and she writes some letters asking him to bring Caraval to their city, and finally, after seven years, he finally writes back inviting her and her fiancé to participate in the game. And he says, this, the prize this year is one wish. So this is really interesting because I'm like, okay, why now? Why all of a sudden did he answer her letters? Why did he pick her and her fiancé to come play? Like, that question hasn't been answered yet, and it's I'm very intrigued by it. Yeah, and not only did he invite them, but now that they're at the game, the whole game is around finding Donatella, the younger sister, and, you know, Scarlet's being treated as, like, this special guest. And so there's, like, more... It's not just, like, oh, he one day got around to reading the letter and was like, yeah, I'll let you come. It's... They seem much more integral than that. <laughs> totally. Because Julian smuggles them onto this island, the Isle of Dreams, it's called. Yeah. And immediately Tella disappears. <laughs> and we learn that, like, the whole point of this game is to find Donatella. So, yeah, I'm just very confused and not confused, but I'm interested to know, like, why Tala, why this girl, why did he, why did Legend answer at this time? Well, and then Julian, the strange sailor boy who they were caught with, is the one who helps them escape, and we've found more and more of his backstory. So, first we found out that Mm -hmm. he has been in the games before, and then in this dream world, one of the last scenes, she sees Legend's face as Julian. So I don't know what that means necessarily, but... I kind of always suspected that Julian was Legend. 
But so what is he doing there? Is he just being a actor or is he what's he what's he trying to accomplish is it the thing that they were saying is he trying to get scarlet to fall in love with him i think so because so we learn a little bit about the history of caraval from scarlet's grandmother Mm -hmm. and the legend of legend was that he fell in love with a woman named annalise who bewitched him and he decided that if he could like if he could perform at the Empress's coronation, he would have enough money to marry her, but the queen t- turned him away, so he went to find a witch who said that he would have, she would give him one impossible wish, and he wishes to lead the greatest troop of players the world has ever seen so he can win back Annalise. But all wishes come with a cost, as, as we've always learned, and mm-hmm. um, the cost was the more he would perform, the more he would transform form into the roles that he played so like if he acted the part of a villain he would become a villain Mm -hmm. and so he became changed and Elise broke up with him she married another man and broke his heart and now we know that Scarlett and Donatella's grandma is Annalise yeah so that makes you think even more that legend was there's a reason why now like there's it's somehow related yeah is it because they're Annalise's granddaughters like is that why he picked her I don't know I would think it is. And now I'm wondering, like, ooh, is he trying to get, like, revenge on Annalise or or what? Yeah, is, is he, like, trying to get a second chance or is he trying to, yeah, get revenge? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to find out more. Okay, so what do you think of the world of Caraval, like, once they get to the island? Oh, my goodness, it's so fun. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> this would be, like, if we were picking a scene to see in a movie, I just want to, like, I don't even care. I want to see all of it. It just seems like a really fun world. Yeah, like the clock shop they go into and like how her dresses change based on her moods. And I love how every time they go to buy something, like you don't barter with money, you barter with like secrets. Secrets kind of like tell me who you fear the most, like tell me your greatest desire and like that's their currency. Which is kind of scary because I feel like Scarlett's giving away a lot of information about herself. Well, it is. It's interesting because she's so cautious about some stuff, but yet yeah, not with this inform. She's like very kind of open book about other stuff, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's what everyone's after, and that's what she needs to be protecting more, and she's not. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, because she's very concerned about like propriety, and she wants to keep herself, you know pure for her husband this fiance because she who she's never met either which i'm curious if we find out what if it's julian or legend or even dante or what if it's somehow important too <laughs> yeah i'm sure it will be because um she finds out that he's from i think i forget who it was is it like a fortune teller they say that he's not the her fiance is not a good man but no they said the man that you marry is not a good man or something like that which also I was kind of I forget oh. how it was worded exactly but I was sort of like she didn't ask if the earl of blah 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 she's she doesn't say fiance though she still phrases it in a way oh. that I was like well maybe if she doesn't marry him it's about someone else or something but okay and also he was like there's he was like I can't tell this in terms of good and evil because people are always good in their minds right mm-hmm. so he was like your fiancé is not the type of good that you would consider good. Mm-hmm. Also, I was looking at my notes just now, and I just wrote, they go to the castle and a naked man named Nigel offers to tell her her future. <laughs> <laughs> that was my note. That's great. <laughs> that man was funny, though. I love the idea about how what you were, like, attracted to, like, what you were looking at on of all of his different tattoos. Oh, yeah kind of indicated what was important to you you know it wasn't like an exact science or anything but it was kind of like if you're like if this is what draws your eye this is like what's on your mind or in your heart or totally whatever I thought that was a really cool idea I love all the little the people that she's been meeting on her journey because like she also meets a woman who gives her an elixir that will stop someone who wants to hurt her um remember that I forgot that she had that yeah she's like collecting all these things and I love how just the world works. Like, the first task was, like, you have to get to the inn, and you have to get there before the doors lock. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, rushing to get to this inn, and, like, she makes it in, Julian doesn't, and then she, like, all she has to say is, I'm a special guest of legends, and they let him in immediately. They're like, oh, okay, never mind, rules don't apply to you. 
Well, and again, he could just be an actor, but I'm curious whether it wouldn't have happened to Julian if he really is legend or not, or if it would, but also yeah, what true. happens if you're locked outside, if you don't get home in time? It's apparently bad. <laughs> is it just question. is it just that you're kicked out of the game, or is it, like, something terrible? Because I kind of get the sense it's something terrible, but we haven't been told. Well, I feel like it might be something terrible, too, because you remember she keeps seeing that woman in the gray, the dove gray dress, and she's like being pulled out of the shop and then when she goes down that well and like follows that staircase she sees the girl screaming yeah the same woman Mm -hmm. yeah and they're like oh we're we're protecting her from herself she's gone mad well it is it's so interesting this whole concept of everything you see here isn't real but it's going to feel real Mm -hmm. right but it's like what what if you are seen behind the scenes or what if you're not or what like it's it's sort of like with that as the rule it's really confusing. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing of this caraval is that, like, they want to trick you into believing what you see is real. And it's, like, a blur between reality and fiction. But they always say, like, we want you to get carried away. Like, we want you to completely give yourself over to this experience. But don't go too far or you will go insane. And that's, yeah. like, oh, that's such a fine line between, like, losing yourself and having horrible consequences and like then having to remind yourself okay this isn't real this is meant to happen but like how do you know what is real and what isn't i don't know yeah especially with other characters or other players this is the other thing i was confused by who's watching or what that means because they seem to be doing the same thing that the players are doing or whatever but then there's also actors so yeah it's like who and even the players could be lying to you because they're trying everyone's trying to get the same wish and yeah there's just there's a lot of cool cool things going on and also i just double checked so this nigel says i'm sorry but the man you will marry is not what you would call good oh which is implied i mean we know she was thinking about her fiance but the man she does she will marry isn't necessarily the guy she's currently engaged to right good point yes so um okay so they have five days essentially to find tella and I love all the clues they get. Yeah, but they only have four days to get back if she is going to marry her fiancé. That's true. I really hope that doesn't happen. But, <laughs> um, okay, the clues are awesome. There are, like, five clues. Yep. Okay, so it says, uh, so they get the first clue, and they say the others will not be so easy to retrieve. Some will make you question your sanity and all that you believe. So clue number two you'll discover in the rubble of her departure, which we saw... She, like, Mm -hmm. sees, she hears Donatella through one of the doors of the inn and then goes in and her room has been, like, ransacked. Also, did you think about when she heard the voice? Remember how someone at the clock store made a deal with her to, like, take her voice for an hour or something? So I was kind of like, even though you heard her, it doesn't mean it was her. Yeah, that's such a good point. So we do know that people can steal each other's voices. Or there's all different kinds of deals that people make with time and voices and yeah. Good point. So someone was probably mimicking Tella's voice. Or maybe it's really her. I don't know. Again, I don't know what to believe yet. So I, and I like that. And it fits (laughs) with the story. It's not like a, sometimes I get frustrated because I don't know this like feels appropriately like the way it's set up is supposed to be. Totally. Okay, but yeah. Um, so she finds like a picture of a a picture card of a castle in the rubble. So we know that's the second clue. Um, and then it says clue number three: you must earn. Which I feel like she already did that, don't you? Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, it's just it's kind of interesting because we're just following her logic a little bit too <laughs> in terms of like, is this related to the clue or is this not related to the clue? You know. So she keeps, like, letting one thing lead her to the next thing, but we're not always sure that we're on the right path in the first place. That's true. But yeah, so she thinks that she earned it when she saw Nigel. The The clue is the follow the man with the black heart on his arm or something oh, like right. that. Yes, follow the boy with the black heart. Oh yeah, with the black heart. And at first she thought it was Julian, and now she thinks it's Dante because he has a tattoo with a heart on it. Yeah, and we learned about Dante a little bit. Yep. So this is kind of the reoccurring thing. So after Legend lost the girl the first time around, I guess every year he's been making someone fall in love with him. And one time, Dante's fiance, Rosa, basically Dante won and found his fiance at the time in bed with Legend. Mm -hmm. And she felt so bad about it that she leapt to her death from the balcony. And so Dante has been dealing with that 
grief and regret and all the complicated emotions around that. And he's trying to get the wish, we think, to bring back his fiance. Yeah, that's what I think. Because um, we did learn that he had played before too and he had lost everything earlier. So now we know that he lost his fiance and he's trying to win so we can get that one wish. And again, it's, you know, he lost, he won, but he lost everything. Right? Right. So it's it's this interesting concept, too. And we keep seeing this even with some of the questions that Scarlett has asked. You know, it's, um, what do you want most? Or, you know, like, you can't have it all, so mm-hmm. you get to pick the thing you want most. So you can't have all of these things that you want. And sort of the implication in the book is that she wants Julian more than she's admitting, and she doesn't just want to save her sister, even though that's what she's saying. Right? That's kind of the... Right. Because we do go to, um, we find Echo, the histographer... Mm-hmm. And she she has like the history of Caraval in her notebook, right? And she and I think this is the fourth clue, because uh, the fourth clue is um, something that will cost you something valuable. And mm-hmm. she like drinks that burnt sugar cider, which sounds delicious. It does. Oh my goodness! Doesn't it sound amazing? I really. Wanted it sounded to try that. so good. It sounded good just from the title, and then yeah. when she was describing what it tasted like, I was like, oh. And then how it like turned her vision black and white, and then certain things were in color and that's like what she was drawn to so she sees this journal that is supposed to have the history of caraval and Aiko says i will give it to you but the cost is you have to buy two dresses and the the cost of the first dress is her greatest fear and the second one is her greatest desire and she says my greatest desire is to find my sister but that's not the right answer and the implication is her greatest desire is julian um, mm-hmm. And so since she doesn't answer the second question right, the shopkeeper takes two days of her life. Although that was interesting to me too. Part of me was like, why didn't you just go pick a different dress and answer a different question? Yeah, I know. Get a cheaper dress. <laughs> that was a cool, the, I liked the way the store worked though. That was really cool. I did too. And I also like that, um, like you said, like she obviously does want to get her sister back, but that might not necessarily be her first wish. Like it might be something more personal, something just for herself. Well, it's different. I mean, it's interesting to think about it in general. Like, as a person, you know, there's so many things that we want. And how do the... And those desires aren't always fully compatible. So, you know, like, I, I don't even know what I would answer. What's my greatest desire? Yeah. It, I mean, you could think you know the answer, but it might not... You might be fooling yourself, right? Yeah. Especially... Yeah. How do you compare desires? I want all the <laughs> things that I want. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I think that might be the thing... The thing that costs you something valuable because we end with her dying essentially for two days because she doesn't realize that it's the next two days that she gave up, not like two days at the end of her life. And then um, Julian finds her. Well, hopefully Julian exchanged one of his days for her days. So hopefully we only lost one day at the end of it. But but yeah, that means we're really low on days. So we really need to. Yeah. Ho- hopefully we have four of the five clues already. I know because we're on. <laughs> well, we're on day four, right? So that's almost like she found four clues in four days. Yeah, because we we were just on night two. <laughs> right. and so it looks like we're now waking up on day four. Right, right. So, so yeah. the last clue, um, number five, requires a leap of faith. So that's the next one. Which sounds like it's going to be hard for Scarlett based off what we know about yeah, her personality. I agree. I agree. I mean, I I like the whole thing of, like, the drive is to find your sister, um, but then it turns into something more and, like, you discover a little bit more along the way. Like, she always said, like, my job is to pr- protect my sister. Like, that's always been kind of her identity. Like, mm-hmm. she's willing to marry this man she doesn't know because she thinks it will protect her and her sister. She was going to have her si- sister come live with them mm-hmm. after she got married. But I think now it's kind of fun that the whole thing she's learning, having been in Caraval, is that, you know, maybe that's not the solution and maybe I'm not who I thought I was. Well, and again, it's interesting because she's still kind of controlling Donna because Donatella doesn't want her to marry this guy or want to be whisked off to some other island to be controlled by some other person, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's also interesting, like you were saying, um, part of it is she wants to protect her sister, but even before she wanted to protect her sister, maybe like separately at a younger age, all she wanted to do is go to Carval. And now she's there, but she can't enjoy it because she thinks it's gonna... Yeah, it's just, there's all... it's This whole idea of desire and what and all of that is just... I'm rambling. Um, <laughs> uh, do you think that the woman in the dove gray dress is Valentina, oh. Dante's sister? 
Maybe. I forgot that she went missing, too. Yeah, at the end, he was like, my sister's missing, and he kind of wants to team up with her because he was like, your sister's missing, my sister's missing, like, we gotta figure this out. Because I think they're now nervous that, like, what happens if they don't find Donatella? Like, yeah, they won't win the wish, but in the dream that she has when Scarlet has when she's dead, dream Donatella says she might die if Scarlet doesn't win. Well, and it's also interesting, again, if Julian is legend, then maybe it's all just an act. But if he's not legend, like, he seems really, like, concerned about a lot of stuff. I don't know what his issue with Dante is if he's not legend. Even if he is legend, I don't really know what his issue with Dante is. I get Dante's issue the other way. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he is trying to help her. And he, he seemed, like, honestly scared about certain stuff or, like, on a mission of his own. So if he's not legend, I'm curious what his relationship right. with legend is and what happened to him the previous time he was in this this game because he is helping her win you know he like he's been doing everything in his power to help her win yeah but does he want her to win or does he want to win and get the wish and if he gets the wish what does he want to use it for and if he's not legend why did we see his face on legend i and if he is legend is he trapped and it's more like the thing everything we know about the game isn't really true maybe legend is trying to get out of the game somehow i don't know Maybe, because no one, they all say um, no one sees the same legend twice. Like, he always wears different faces for every game. Yeah. But his, they do say his favorite thing to do is make girls fall in love with him. So, like, if Julian is legend, I don't trust him. I don't trust him either. But then the other thing is, if he doesn't wear the same face twice, Dante does recognize him, right? Or does he not? Yeah, I think so. I thought that the animosity was more than just because he was with Scarlet. Scarlet. I thought it was like a recognized animosity. So yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious too. Ugh. And it goes back to that whole yeah. It's like, can is he one of the liars and the actors, and the, <laughs> it's not real, or is it, or is he also falling for her and trying to help her? And we're gonna like betray. And that's I think gonna be really interesting with the leap of faith thing. Yes, I agree. Basically, I'm really excited to see where this goes. I am too. I'm enjoying it. What do you think about some of the like analogies and or? Maybe analogies is the wrong word, but there's a lot of, like, colors being compared to feelings, or that might not even be the best, ex- like, sort of mix-matching metaphors, you know? That's one of, like, the writing styles, mm. I feel like. hmm And at first I really liked it, and then it felt a little bit, like, too much for me, and now I'm kind of liking it again. But I was just, I read, okay. I also read some different opinions online about people who felt really strongly one way or the other about it, so I'm curious what you think. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I kind of like it because, like, the whole world is supposed to be magical and strange. And so I kind of am Mm -hmm. okay with strange illusions that or metaphors that maybe don't make sense. Because the whole world is kind of nonsensical. But in a good way. Not in, like, a I'm trying too hard way. Like, I I think so far I'm, like, very entertained and nothing has, like, stood out to me as something that I'm... That I don't like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that he calls her crimson instead of scarlet. <laughs> I was amused at first, but I thought I was amused at first, but now it's like getting old. I'm like, okay, you know her name, stop. Yeah, I love how everything, how the letters are illustrated. Like just looking through the illustrations of this book, it's actually like pretty beautiful, and there's like a lot of cool patterns and details in the chapter titles, and even like the letters at the beginning were illustrated. Yeah, and it's and cool just to break map. it up and read the letters in general. You love the what? The map? The map, because it's like, I love how it's not, you know, every time you see maps in books, it's always like the full country. This mm-hmm. is just the city of Caraval, and, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. Yeah, it helps you picture it, and it it's a cool, it's cool. I love artwork in books in general. It helps bring them alive. Me too. So what did you research this week? I struggled a little. <laughs> I did too. I had like some ideas, but I didn't do a very good job on them. So I did two very surface level things. One okay. was on the origin of escape rooms because Ooh. this kind of reminded me of a very elaborate escape room idea where you're mm-hmm. like looking for clues and there's kind of some, do you work with people? Do you not work with people? And you have this like story that you're set up in a character and then, you know, you try and get out. We did one together. We did. My first one I've ever done was with you and some of our other and book friends. And we won. That one was one of the coolest ones I've done. So we were, it was in Chicago, yeah. and we were in like a scientist lab <laughs> who had been, zombies were taking over, I guess, the world. And he had been bit by a zombie, and he had 
a bunch of notes that we had to like decipher and get the key so we could get out. And he had locked himself up in his last moment of sanity, I guess. But then he was a zombie. And so there's an actual actor in the room who was acting like a zombie. And if they touched you, we had to like die in the game and we couldn't look for clues anymore. So they were like, what, eight, ten of us? I don't know. And every five minutes, mm-hmm. I think they got like an extra foot of chain on the zombie. So we like at the end of it, we're like standing in on bookshelves and corners of rooms like throwing things across the room at each other and stuff and Mm -hmm. it was it was one of the most fun ones I've done to this day that was a blast and we got out like with three minutes to spare I think I think so yeah we definitely got out like with it was tight but it was still a cushion (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah so I didn't actually know that much about when escape rooms became a thing I know that was like the first one I had heard of and now I see them all over the place and people always want to do them and you know, whatever. So I, I looked up a little bit about some of the different sources of escape rooms. So the first origin supposedly goes back to the 16th century, where English royalty would have their shrubbery arranged in elaborate maze patterns, kind of like corn mazes today. So hedge mazes and like kind of labyrinths in their backyards and stuff. And this inspired video games that were centered around escaping an area with a bunch of things on it so in like the 1980s is when video games kind of a lot of them developed this sort of escape room idea and I guess the first one or like one of the biggest ones is Crimson Room which was Mm. released in Japan in 2004 sounds scary it was like a huge hit um and that's and then in Japan is where they started doing the real escape rooms in 2007 the concept of solving a themed room within a set time limit was brought to the real world when a Japanese entrepreneur named Takeo Kato started holding escape room events in bars and clubs, and then obviously it's caught on, and this whole like puzzle game thing has taken over all over the place. So it went to Singapore in 2011, and San Francisco in 2012, and now they're all over the place. They're in France, they're in Chicago, they're down the street. <laughs> they're all over the place. They all have different themes. <laughs> yeah, and they are fun, but I also, they do, I've done a lot now. And I went to cryptology camp when I was little, which um, <laughs> helps me a lot in escape rooms sometimes. But uh, I feel like I like know some of the, you know, now I kind of like know some of the gimmicks. You know some of the tricks now. Yeah. Um, I think one of our mutual friends did one and they got out like in the nick of time. Like literally they had the key in their hands and they had 10 seconds to get out of the room and... They were, like, counting down. They were, like, 10, 9. And people were, like, hurry up. It was, oh like, Titanic goodness. with the key scene. And he, like, his hands were, like, <laughs> shaking. And he was dropping the key. And, like, they got out with, like, three seconds to spare or something crazy like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have always escaped, thankfully. But it does, like, it does get your adrenaline going. Yeah. And, like, your competitiveness going. And it can either, like, make or break relationships, I think. <laughs> I believe you need it. to really think about who you want to be locked in a room for an hour mm-hmm. with because uh, it it can be interesting. My sister, I did one with my family, and there is this thing. There are all these like numbered little boxes in this bookshelf, and they all had different like pieces of paper in them. And so to help out, my sister pulled all the papers <laughs> out, and then later, you know, we get to a clue that's like go to box oh, number no. seven or whatever, you know, and we're like oh, it's empty. And my sister was like, oh. Uh, so like basically the code to translate it, like we couldn't even use because oh, no. she had pulled everything out. And there were like costumes. She was like dressing up in them and Aaron's <laughs> like doing math in the corner. And that my mom's like dyslexic and mixing oh, no. up numbers that she's yelling across. It was just, we survived, but it was a little bit rough going that year. <laughs> I would never want to do one with my family. That's just like way too many type A personalities in the same room. <laughs> we wouldn't get anywhere. One of my friends, I think, proposed or saw a proposal in an escape room I was like that is a little bit risky oh. too if things aren't going you know if, depending on how it's yeah, going if you're screaming at each other <laughs> yeah they were like here you open this box she's like no you just open the box or you know and he's like no you I, <laughs> it is really satisfying when you like solve the clues because you really do have to like use your brain and think in different ways and like when you solve it it's so satisfying I do think it'd be a really fun job to like come up with the story and make the clues and like build an escape oh, yeah room. I think that would be such a fun job I totally agree um well I kind of did similar research because okay. I researched um the most bizarre reality contests Ooh. um so not necessarily escape rooms but just like I, I was going through a list of, like, strange reality shows that um, no longer exist for good reason. And some of them are pretty horrific. So 
So, okay, there was one called Mr. Personality. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. So it was, it only ran for five episodes and then it was canceled. It was hosted by Monica Lewinsky and it was on Fox. And basically it was The Bachelor, but there were 20 men and one woman. And the woman had to pick a husband out of these 20 men, but they were all wearing uh, iron masks to conceal their faces. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, the whole idea was, like, you want to choose a, a man based on their personality, not, based on not looks. their looks. Mm-hmm. But they're all wearing these creepy masks, like, something out of... It, it looks like... Um, have you ever seen The Man in the Iron Mask with Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, that's what the masks look like. They're so <laughs> creepy. And it's just, like, these people going on dates, but you can't see their faces. It was super weird. Have you seen that show, The Proposal, that was on, like, last year? No. This was... Also, it's like by Bachelor Nation people, and it was a one-hour show, and the person, like the contestant, was hidden from, or like the main person was hidden away, mm-hmm. and every episode it would switch if it was a girl or a guy, and like 10 of the opposite gender would come down, and all they do at first would be like introduce themselves in like a sentence or something and they'd pick like eight mm-hmm. of those 10 to go to the next round, and then they'd get to like ask them questions and like six of them would make it to the next round and then someone that was close to the person who was hidden like a sibling or a parent or whatever would Mm. get to ask them each a question and again so they keep narrowing it down and the whole time they the people who are competing never see the person behind the door until the very end and at the very end they propose and that's when they see yeah and like I don't know I was very interested at first in any of these couples. Some of the couples were still together when I saw it, but no one had gotten married yet or anything, obviously. But I was like, who? Like, this is even more, at least on, like, The Bachelor. You go on Which I still think is kind of ridiculous. You get engaged at the end, but you've, yeah, spent six weeks together or whatever, and you've met each other's families, and you've spent some time. (laughs) Anyways, I watched way too many episodes of that. Go on. Um, Well, have you ever heard of Farmer Once a Wife? No, but I'm intrigued. So this was a dating show called Farmer Wants a Wife, and it was basically The Bachelor, but it's set on a farm, and all of the women have to do, like, manual labor to prove that they're worthy of this guy. Oh my goodness, that's brilliant. terrible! That's brilliant for the farmer. (laughs) He makes them, like, milk cows, and, like, I don't know what you do in a farm, shovel manure, and, like... This reminds me of those, you know those ads for that, like, dating app that's just for farmers? No farmersonly.com or something yeah there's like all, I don't know why they always show up when I'm watching tv but yeah um okay and then this other one is called this is seriously this is the worst reality tv show I've ever heard of it's worse even than the swan which I think is until I heard of this I always thought the swan was like the most horrible premise ever I don't even know what that is what's the, the swan? swan oh that's when they take every week they introduce a new women onto the show and they give this woman plastic surgery Oh my goodness. And then at the end, all of the women had to compete in a beauty contest. Oh, that's terrible. I know. This one is even worse, if you can believe it. So it's called, Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> Great start, right? So it made a game out of one woman's attempts to find her real father. Oh my goodness. And the men on the show won a cash prize if they could dupe her into thinking that she was their daughter oh my goodness that's terrible isn't it and it was apparently it just had one episode and people rightly flipped the frack out and they canceled it thank god there are so many weird tv shows there's also there's one where like a bunch of guys and girls go and live on an island together and i think they're all in Oh yeah, relationships. Or I don't, I don't know exactly what the premise is, but that like the whole point of the show is like you go on because you think your relationship is so solid, and then like Ugh. the guys are with a bunch of attractive girls, and the girls are with a bunch of attractive guys, and like I would never want to watch that. No, why would you want to watch that? Ugh. But it also, I feel like people like who comes up with these ideas. I'm so curious. Like, like what disgusting, hu- sh- like garbage head of a human being yeah or I feel like some of these had to be someone like got drunk and they were like wouldn't it be funny if or like can you imagine and someone was like yeah let's do it (laughs) we can make a buck off of that yeah yeah okay and then I started researching um because I thought that like the cool thing about Caraval is like it's performance art but Mm -hmm. also you don't really know what's real and what's not so I started researching 
haunted houses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, okay, so I went to Sleep No More in New York last year, and it was, like, the coolest experience I've ever seen. It was, I loved every second of it. Like, you go to this (laughs) warehouse, and it's, like, seven floors, and they completely deck this place out. They just decorate it to make, like, one floor was an insane asylum. Like, one was a hospital. One was, like, a forest. One was a graveyard. One was, like, I don't know. Like, every floor was a different theme. Mm -hmm. And throughout, they have all these performances of these actors who are, like, integrated into the scene. And I went with my sister and Chad and my sister's then-boyfriend and you have to put on a mask when you go in. So, so like, you can't see anyone's face except the actors. Oh, my goodness. And the, the masks look like something out of Eyes Wide Shut. Like, they're creepy-looking masks. <laughs> I would hate everything about this, just for the record. I loved everything about it. They, like, first you go in and they give you a... They make you pick a card out of a deck of cards. And that corresponds to what floor you start on. Okay. And, um... So you go in and like the whole point of the experience is like you're just supposed to walk through this house and see all the different performances people put on and like they were like interact with the set as much as you can. So like I went up to the hospital wing and I was like rifling through drawers, like pulling shelves open, like you're supposed to explore as much as you can and like the detail, the level of detail of the set astounded me. Like I went to a doctor, this doctor's office and I pulled open the drawers and I found a file that had, um, there was like a box with a file and you opened up the file and it was all these patients' names, pages and pages mm-hmm. of patients' names and then a lock of hair tied next to it, like taped next to the patient's name. So it was like all these locks of hair. There was like oh a drawer goodness. full of teeth. It was, it was nuts. But the cool thing was... Um, after we finished it, I was in there for like a good three and a half hours. Wow. Um, and then after we were done, we all convened and we talked about the different performances we saw. And none of us saw the same performance. Oh. Which was really cool. Or like we saw some of the similar ones, but... Um, it was still like different enough. Yeah. There were, yeah, there were so many performances going on that like I was like, hey, did anyone see that scene where like the two men were fighting and the one smothered the other one with a pillow and Chad was like no but did you see the women in the forest who were like witches and they were conjuring spells and I was like no I didn't see that and then my sister she goes um did anyone see the scene where the guy took off all of his clothes and then jumped out of the bathtub and ran around the room naked (laughs) and we were like no we definitely didn't see that Did it make you want to go back in, though? Like, kind of. Realizing how much you had missed, <laughs> of, or, you know, how much that. more there was to see? I missed the full frontal exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that, necessarily, but just... Yes, it, it did make me want to go back and, like, see the rest of the performances, because the whole premise is, um, it's based on Macbeth. That's just, like, the loose premise of mm-hmm. it. Okay, that does sound pretty cool. It was fascinating. Like, I would recommend everyone do it because it was one of the coolest things i just think i would freak myself out too much it was kind of scary because sometimes i was just like walking down dark corridors and there was literally no one around me and once i was going down this really dark staircase and i heard this like clanging behind me and i looked up and there was a guy in a lab coat who was an actor and he was just walking down the stairs and he had a hammer and he was just letting the hammer like clang off of the <laughs> rungs of the staircase and he was just walking towards me and I was like, time to leave. Yeah, I think I'm too much of a coward for this, but it's a fascinating concept. Um, okay, well, if you don't want to do that one, you should definitely not do the other one that I researched, which is called Blackout. Have you heard of this? No. Blackout is meant to be kind of like Caraval where it's like an interactive horror experience where the whole concept is they want they want to like push people to their limits in terms of what they can handle in terms of fear yeah I'm out (laughs) I'm definitely out so it you so it's a haunted house you have to go through it by yourself Uh, um they give you a safe word at the beginning and they basically say like if you use the safe word we take you out um but the people inside can essentially do whatever they want to you so I was reading um, some people who like wrote about their experiences, and this girl said 
she walked into the building and the first thing that happened to her was a man put a bag over her head pushed her to the ground and then grabbed her ankle and started dragging her down a dark hallway oh my goodness yeah i'm definitely i'm out i'm so far out it's not even funny i just it's very fascinating to me that like people want to put themselves through this kind of trauma because like whatever sleep no more like it's very it's performance art it's and it's not torture like it this seems like blackout seems like people want to be masochists and like crossing that line yeah <laughs> see how far I, I don't i just don't get the idea of like wanting to experience trauma like that because it sounds like way too extreme like they said um oh all right one account said someone tied my hands behind my back and then took off my shoes and then bagged my put a bag over my head and I couldn't breathe. Oh, some people said that actors poured water down their throats until they choked. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Is this really legal? Think about what you must have to sign to go into that. They do have to sign something, yeah. And, I mean, in Sleep No More, sometimes they do interact with you. Like, my sister, <laughs> my sister's boyfriend, <laughs> when we were in the medical wing, I didn't see this. He was by himself. But he said a nurse pointed to him and like beckoned to him to follow her and so he went with her into this room and it was just him and this woman in this room and she made him get into this bed and so he like got into the bed and she pulled the sheet all the way over his head and he was like what the hell and then like she pulled the sheet down and then she was pointing at the wall and he was like I don't know what you're saying and so like eventually she let him leave but like she took him into this like strange room and he was freaking out (laughs) I would be freaking out too oh my goodness yeah there's what's that show that we talk about sometimes it's like kind of future techie and every episode's a different world kind of a show black mirror oh black mirror yeah there's a black mirror episode that reminds me of that black room or what was that place called that you just the scary one blackout blackout Mm-hmm. that you should watch sometime okay i would like to watch it i don't think i would like to experience it yeah no i agree that i mean even that freaked me out so yeah i'm i'm kind of a wimp so i've told you this even some of the books we've read if i like read them when i'm home alone <laughs> i like freak myself out so yeah <laughs> so i have a question for you knowing what we know about caraval so far would you sign up as a player i mean when i read books like this i feel like i want to say yes but I think in reality, I'd be, like, confident me right now is like, yeah, that's so cool, da-da-da, magic, yada-yada. But I think I'd probably be – I'd probably still sign up, but I'd be more like Scarlet than I'd care to admit. I think I would. Yeah. I mean, I – so I really love horror movies and things like that, and I think it's because I'm really good at, like, recognizing that it's fake. Mm-hmm. You know, and being, like, not allowing myself to be afraid of it because – I can just, like, rationalize it away. So, like, even in Caraval, the worst thing I think that happened so far was when she was, like, the woman who was selling the dresses was, like, I'm going to take two days of your life. And she, quote-unquote, died. But really, I would just be like, okay, she gave me something and put me to sleep for 24 hours. You know? Like, when you think of it that way. Well, yes. Except, supposedly, someone actually did die at this game before. True. And people go mad. And, like, some... So some of that's like I think if I if it truly was just like a interactive experience for a week with some magic and some whatever like I think I'd be totally in but I think and I think I'd still do it but I'd have to like talk myself I'd have to like talk myself down a lot while I was doing it I would do it with you and we'd get through it together <laughs> yeah and I think it would I would definitely want to do it with someone I know and I and I think I'd want to have checked with a couple of people who've done it before yeah good point. even if it's a different game but just be like okay besides my grandmother um what are my chances of going you know. mad <laughs> yeah <laughs> good point but I think I, would, I think I would want to do it if I could but I think I I think I'd be right now I'm like oh yeah I would totally do it in the but in reality I think I'd be a little bit more hesitant <laughs> yeah let's see what happens next in the second half of Caraval and then maybe we will amend our decisions well yeah and if my sister were truly missing true and, you know some of the stuff that's go like that would be I mean I definitely want to find her but I also would be of course like, you do it then it wouldn't be as much of a fun game to me it would be more of a like horrifying experience right <laughs> good point okay well do you want to hear a joke this week yes please okay so I have a kind of a a magic joke for you oh perfect okay what do you call a dog 
that does magic. Um, I don't know. What do you call it? A labracadabrador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. <sighs> labracadabrador. Oh, man. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, that I feel like there's like an, a marketing opportunity there for like a pet show or petting zoo magician children's party event. Or like dogs doing magic tricks. That's what I want. <laughs> or yeah. <laughs> or doing magic tricks to dogs. Have you ever seen the, those YouTube videos of people like doing magic tricks for dogs? Yeah. And they like freak out. I feel like Toby wouldn't even care unless it was his toy, I guess. Yeah, but. no, Banjo surely wouldn't. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell, you, to tell you this too. Um, I got a new fan for us this week, hopefully, or at least a new listener for us this week. Oh, yay! James and I went to, we spent eight hours with a jeweler making our own wedding rings. Oh, wow. And while we were melting stuff, whatever, um, (laughs) we were talking about books and she likes to read a lot, the jeweler who we were working with. So I was like, oh, you should check out our podcast. So hopefully she's listening. Oh, I hope she listens. And it was a really cool experience, so... Yeah. That sounds awesome. But then, did it turn out okay? Because I know I would try to make something and it would be it would be not wearable, probably. <laughs> That's what I was really worried about. They look really good now. We don't put in our own stones, so I was getting some stones added to Ooh. mine. So we'll see at the end. I mean, it'll only look better, I'm sure. So. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Even if the ring isn't perfect, it's just going to like mean so much to us. So totally yeah. we may I told James I was like oh, I we'll use that. them for the ceremony and we'll keep them forever but if like I ruin yours you can get a new one <laughs> to wear every day yeah. <laughs> we won't tie you to this <laughs> that's nice of you <laughs> um well if you guys want to get in touch with us you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at mnktalkya let us know if you would participate in Carol, given the opportunity. Or if you've ever done blackout. Except I don't want to hear the details. <laughs> I do. Just email it to me. <laughs> All right, let's finish this book and see if we can find Donatella. Ooh, I can't wait. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.